This episode of the Comedy Zone podcast is brought to you by BarkBox. Make your best friend happy at getbarkbox.com slash comedy zone. From the Comedy Zone in Charlotte, North Carolina, this is the Comedy Zone podcast. Find us on Twitter at the CZ podcast and email us at comedyzonepodcast at gmail.com. Now, your hosts, Will Jacobs and Sammy Joe Francis. Welcome to the Comedy Zone podcast. Uh, the intro is a little inaccurate this week. Again. Again. This is not. We need to have, I don't know, can we get the guy that does the intro to just come in each week and. <laughs> Say who's actually here. So. That might cost us, but yeah, it might it might be worth the money because you know, <laughs> Sammy is not here today. Uh, Sammy is feeling just not feeling great, just feeling under the weather. She's had that crud since uh, she got back from California about a week ago, and uh, she, she brought, brought some something back. She yeah. brought some craziness yeah. with her, messing with them West Coast people. <laughs> uh, that'll that'll get you every time you mess with them West Coast people, and you come back sick. Yeah, so we are Samuelus on the Samuelis. last show of 2017. Yeah, we were probably Willis on the first show. Oh, that's entirely possible. Yeah, we like a sandwich that just has one slice of bread on it. <laughs> it's more like a tostada than a than a comedy sandwich. So, uh, welcome everybody. Um, final show of the year. I figured uh, this would be a great time to talk about the holidays and have a little holiday recap. I hope everyone listening had a wonderful uh, Christmas, holiday, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, uh, whatever it is you do. Um, some people have maybe even some other things they do besides those. Those are the big three you always hear about. Are there any other things? No, I don't think so. Uh, people are trying to make a thing out of Festivus, but that's not good. That's Festivus not good. for the rest of us. Yeah. All right. So, Bra, how was your? How was the holiday? How did you? It's been great. I, I'm so happy to be able to say Merry Christmas again. It was. It's been a long time. But you know, just, thanks to President just, Trump, just to not be wrestled to the ground every time I say Merry Christmas, it's 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 been a good thing. Uh, it was good. I, I had uh, <laughs> for the first time in a long time, I had the week between Christmas and New Year's off. Okay, so uh, I've enjoyed that very much. Did a lot of resting, a lot of uh, you know, a little bit of work, kind of thinking about you know how I want to approach some things in 2018, um, and just a lot of. Uh, you know, watch some old movies, watch some new movies, watch a little bit of football, mm-hmm. watch my Lions play themselves out of the playoffs. Ooh-wee. Did they lose to Cincinnati? Yeah. No, you kidding me? Nope, I am not. I yeah. didn't watch that game because I just counted yeah, it as even. a Detroit win. Yeah, no, you know, no, no, you can't do that. You can't. You can't. I mean, because Barb Lewis was leaving nope. and the team gave up. Yeah, nope, nope, they lost. Detroit found a way to lose that game. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. What was the score? Yeah, well, like how much I, they lose by? I don't remember the top. It, it was it was two scores. It was thirteen <laughs> points, maybe. What? Yeah, like twenty nine, sixteen, something like that. They they lost to a. Hold on. So let me get this straight. <laughs> a team fighting for a playoff spot <clears throat> lost yes. to a team whose coach said, "I'm out." That is correct. Yes. Ooh. Yeah. <sighs> not a good look. The, the the optics are not good. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> that is unbelievable. Yeah, Even the, for Detroit. Yeah, it looks like uh, Jim Caldwell's on his way out. Uh, the rumor is the Ford, and I find this hard to believe. The rumor is the Ford family will throw a truckload of money at John Gruden, but the Ford family doesn't throw a truckload of money at anybody except Matt <laughs> Stafford. So I don't see that happening. 
Um, I, I yeah, they just managed that. They had that, you know, with Green Bay out of the picture. You know, they had an opportunity and uh, lost at Cincinnati. So I just, I, when I tell you, I assume they won that game. Not even check in on it. I assume that they won that game. I was like, okay, they might have won by one or two touchdowns. Who cares? No, they lost. Yeah, yeah. So they're out. Uh, the hometown team, the Carolina Panthers. I mean, the hometown where we are sitting right now, Carolina Panthers, looking good actually. I kind of think they're the team in the NFC that I wouldn't want to play. Really? If I'm another interesting, I'm another NFC team. I, I'm worried about your Eagles. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what, what was it? Struggling to beat the Giants or struggling to beat the Raiders? Which one? Uh, which it was one? more when Carson Wentz went down. Oh, uh, so as soon as that happened, yeah. you were like, "Uh oh." Yeah. Yeah, that's what all of Philadelphia did. Um, I may or may not have shed a tear. Mm. Uh, it, it's just to to go from I know we got a legit shot at winning yeah. the Super Bowl yeah. to it's Nick Foles time. Yeah, that is we. <laughs> that's and and the fun part was I was back home, you know, for the holidays. So I'm in Philly. I'm in the Philly area, and uh, man, like the whole mood is like, I mean, you're trying to have hope. But goodness gracious. I bet it sucked the air out of the city. It sucked yeah. it sucked all the air out because, you know, it's not like other franchises that have won a Super Bowl. Right. Whereas, you know, in Green Bay, it's like, ah, all right, we'll get Rodgers back next year. For us, it's been next year for 40 years. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's unbearable. And to have a chance to be that close, to be able to taste it almost, like you just see the path. It was opening up beautifully. <laughs> It was just the path. I mean, Rodgers wasn't going to the playoffs. You know, Seattle is is there's they still got Russell Wilson, but the defense is losing. um, It has lost most of the Legion of Boom. Like they weren't really that big a threat. Who else in the NFC are you afraid of? Now half of it. (laughs) Well, now yeah, sure, but Uh, the N and the F. Now we, we got a chance against the C, but we we're terrified of the NFC. <laughs> like we were afraid of two thirds of the NFC, man. Like it's changed now. I mean, yeah. now I'm worried about uh, I'm worried about New Orleans. Yeah, worried about New Orleans. I'm worried yeah. about Minnesota. I'm worried about the Rams. I'm worried about the Panthers. I'm worried. About, I mean, I'm worried about most of the field. Only team I think we can handle Atlanta. I'm not too worried yeah, about yeah. Atlanta. Yeah, I don't think Atlanta gets in. I think yeah. I think Carolina beats them. Carolina beats so Carolina yeah. gets, and I'm not as worried about Carolina. Well, Carolina's in. I think it'll be Seattle. Oh, out. Seattle, yeah. And I'm very worried about Russell Wilson. Yeah, well, sure. I mean, yeah. we went to Seattle and he put on a show. Yeah. So I'm always worried about Russell Wilson. But now we went from I thought the hands down best team in the NFC to <sighs> I don't know. Well, I'm sorry. We're like a paper one seed. Yeah, without wins, like we're the one seed that everybody wants to play. They're like, God, I can't. God, I hope we, we got go. the Eagles. God, I hope we get the one seed in yeah. the second round. We're that. We're that guy. Yeah, you know. So it's it's rough, and yeah, then it's like you can't. We can't get the our two units to play well at the same time. Like Nick Foles goes out against the Giants in New York, throws four touchdowns, uh, has a great offensive game, and the defense gives up thirty some points to the Giants. Mm. Then you fast forward to the next game against the Raiders. The defense holds up pretty well, gives up a couple big plays, but overall they didn't score many points. Defense plays well, and Nick Foles can't do anything against the yeah. Raiders defense yeah. at home on a Monday night, Christmas night. Yeah, he goes out there and, and poops the bed. 
So, oh, and y'all will hear me curse a lot less on this podcast because my baby, the boy's my ba- here. Baby yeah. boy is sitting right next to me. He's hanging in there. Oh, but, there he is. But yeah, he's hey, Mount Vesuvius is about to erupt. But, <laughs> but yeah, you yeah, that's what you think. You agree? See, he's worried about the Eagles too. This oh, is he, he, yeah. he's very concerned. Well, he should be. I just blew off his pacifier. Don't judge me. <laughs> so, so that's the so that, yeah, that's the thing. We can't get the two units to play well at the same time. The good thing is. We're the number one seed, so we got three weeks to figure it out. Yeah. We got week 17, we got a bye week, and then we play that following weekend. Yeah. So we got three weeks to figure it out, but it's not looking good. Didn't the Eagles traded Bradford to the Vikings? In the we did. Season. We traded Bradford and used the picks we got back to get right. Carson Wentz. Oh, right, 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 right. No, no, we already had Carson yeah, Wentz. Yeah, 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 that's what I was saying. We had Carson Wentz. The season. Yeah. yeah, yeah, so we, we traded Bradford and recouped the second round pick that we lost. Right, right, right. No, no, we sent a second round pick. I don't remember, okay? Yeah, I don't remember. But I think, what no, I was we got gonna... a second round pick for him. Or, no, we got a first rounder. I'm, I, okay, rewind. We got a first rounder, Minnesota's first rounder for Carson, for, for Sam Bradford. Right. And I, we had lost our first rounder year, right. getting wins. Yeah. So. so, how do you feel about that Bradford trade now? Mm, Knowing feel... that, you know, I mean, just obviously, you know, you couldn't have guessed that you'd be putting all your all your hopes and dreams on Nick Foles' shoulders. But how do you feel about, I mean, is Bradford? Well, the thing about Bradford is his knees don't work. Right. So, I mean, he's not even playing again yeah. yet. Yeah. So, no, I feel good. I feel good about getting a first for him. He was never going to be, um, you know, first of all, I don't know how content he would have been to just be the backup. Yeah. So I wouldn't have wanted those issues. And like I said, his uh, his knees don't work. So, yeah, I mean, he's 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 in pretty bad shape. Um, now it may have been different had he not played all year, right? Because he played for Minnesota and then hurt himself. If he were just coming in now, you know, maybe. But I don't know, man. It's either I, this. This is a league where you either have an elite QB or you don't. And if you don't have an elite QB, then you ne- you need to have a generational, once in a generation defense, kind of. Yeah, yeah. And we don't seem to have. We have a really good defense, but I don't know if they're good enough to carry us. With Nick Foles back there throwing duck balls and medicine, he the Nick Foles throws what I call medicine balls, where if the receiver catches it, he's going to get hit by the safety and end up in the hospital. Yeah, right. so he throws these medicine ball floaters, and guys are like yeah. getting their ribs broken trying to catch him. So there know. was the Lions had a guy a few years back, Bob Galliano. I don't know if you remember. Who? Bob Gall. That his, sounds like a kicker name. His balls hung in the air for. Ever, <laughs> they just hung, and uh, 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 like his, he, he he had longer hang time than some of their punts. On, so he <laughs> on had, his on the so what you saying is Nick Galliano had long hanging balls. Long hanging balls. How old was he? <laughs> he, he? He just his balls just his balls just hung in the air forever, That's and his receivers worst. just got clocked. That's the see. I'm not catching that. <laughs> Ricky Waters had the best quote ever. He he he. For those that don't know, Ricky Waters played running back for the Eagles years ago. Really good running back, and he was going over the middle, and the safety was about to light him up, and he pulled his hands back and said, "Oh hell no," and didn't even try to catch the ball. And then afterward, they were in the media and they were asking him, you know, Ricky, we saw that you short arm, you had alligator arms, you didn't try to catch the ball. And he was like, yeah, I remember that play. For who, for what? You think I'm getting killed <laughs> for that? This ain't the damn Super Bowl. Well, you can for a regular season game? For who, for what? So that's my new saying now, for who, for what? <laughs> for what? I like it. Yeah, he's like, like you it. guys are crazy. Hey, have you filed those uh, papers yet today? For who, for what? <laughs> <laughs> No, the uh, papers for the thing that that uh, hearing this afternoon. We've got the man for who for what? <laughs> the the uh, Johnson 
case? The- Johnson. <laughs> Man, please. <laughs> I just I love that attitude for my athletes. I love I just because you got some people that are like, oh, you should give your effort no matter what, and then you have people living in reality. Practice, <laughs> practice. <laughs> not a game, not a game. Practice, I, man. When I tell you I love that stuff, because because you know you got the 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 uh, leave it to Beaver guys that suck. Yeah, but they come in early and they stay in late. Like, but you rats, suck. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like T- I heard Tebow was a study rat, and like he gave it all on every play, but he sucked. So so what? <laughs> Give me the guy that doesn't suck, that cares a little less. <laughs> like they, like they said when Michael Vick was in Atlanta. He said they would give him the playbook, and he said it never left his trunk. He didn't take it out the trunk. <laughs> he said he had a back seat full of DVDs. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, man, look. When you run as fast as me, for who, for what? <laughs> Study what? Are you kidding me? Man, I run a 4-2. I'm not studying shit. You bought speed. You didn't buy diligence, okay? And I'm with him on that. Give me the guy that doesn't suck. I want all the players that don't suck. You can have the Johnny Q schoolboy, uh, you know, you can have them types. It is interesting there's a Philadelphia connection to all three of the guys. <laughs> this makes <laughs> You know, you know who was into that? Chip Kelly. Chip Kelly got rid of Deshaun Jackson, Shady McCoy. Oh, we want hard workers. And then he put his fist back and pumped it. Yeah, he did that shit. And then he brought in a bunch of bums that studied a lot and that would be good for the system. DeMarco Murray stunk. Sam Bradford stunk. Everybody he brought in stunk, and he sent away all the good players because they because they had bad study habits and gang affiliations. My team could be full of Crips, okay, full of them, all twenty two Bloods and Crips, twenty two Bloods on offense, twenty two Crips on defense. I don't give a damn. I want guys that can play, but you know, so so coaches get into that nonsense. So for who, for what? That's matter of fact. That's my motto for two thousand eighteen. I love it. My wife says, "Babe, did you take out the trash? The trash." For who, for what? <laughs> so I might be living in the podcast studio what? half next year. <laughs> There's a good chance. I will give you a key. Yes. I will uh, I will need a key. Um. So, yeah, anyway, so I had, had a good holiday. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know yeah. what? It was um. It was good. It was a lot of fun. Uh, hung with family. Ate way too much. Went crazy on the cheesesteaks and hoagies. That's my big thing when I go home. I'm like. I'm going to eat a whole lot of cheesesteak and a whole lot of hoagie. I kept that promise. Um, so it was good. Oh, my son wants to be on the podcast. What you say, buddy? You like cheesesteak too? Yes, he likes cheesesteak too. Yes, he likes cheesesteak too. But, yeah, so I ate, uh, ate a whole lot of stuff, saw a whole lot of family. Uh, so that was good. Uh, but, the, but the weather, man, the weather was insane. Like, you know, there's, there's Carolina cold and then there's Pennsylvania Philly oh, yeah, cold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's um, that's a whole lot. That's a whole lot different story. Uh, that that is bone chilling up there. And then I guess if you met somebody from Chicago, they'd say, "Oh, well, that ain't nothing compared." So I guess it's all a matter of perspective and where you're from. But um, uh, it was it, it was bone chilling cold. It was cold to me up there. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we left right in time, right on time, because they said just after we left, it went down to like close to zero. And I'm not built for that. I'm yeah, a I'm no, a southern. It's, it's I'm, I'm a yeah. southern. Yeah, it, it's uh, it's colder today. It it's in the low 30s today. 
It's a, it's in the low 30s here in Charlotte. Like right now, yeah. It's in the it, as we record on Friday morning, the 29th. Mm-hmm. But uh, it, it's so it's it's by Charlotte standards, it's cold. Mm-hmm. My parents texted us the other day up in Michigan. There, it, it it's minus three before the wind chill. Really, up in Michigan this week. So, huh. so it's it's all it's all perspective. It's all <clears throat> you know. You get out of it what you put into it. Now, for those listening <laughs> to the podcast, again, my son is with me. He just turned eight months a few days ago. That's crazy. It's been eight months. Already. It's crazy, right? But it, my brother got him uh, a teddy bear, oh. and if you press the ears or press the foot, the bear says, oh, my foot, and then he presses it again. He goes, I love ABCs, so he'll sing. So I brought that today because I know that's the only chance we have of having a podcast. <laughs> so so the bear is sitting in. I'm holding the bear right now, pressing his ear every 15 to 20 seconds to keep my son entertained because – Again, if that does yeah. not happen, there's no yeah. podcast. So if you hear me talking, all of a sudden you hear A, B, C, D, E, F, G. If you hear that in the background, that's because I'm entertaining my son. Okay. Well, let's do this. Yes. Y- you did a, uh interview last week with Al Ernst. I did. Al Ernst, um, great, great, phenomenal comedian. Uh, does a lot of the cruise ships. Used to be a professional wrestler. That's good. It's insane. That's insane, right? So we, uh, we had a run of shows together here at the Comedy Zone about a week ago. And I sat down with Al uh, in the green room after our shows just to talk comedy with him. Uh, it was a really fun interview. Al is a great person, great great comedian, but a great guy, um, you know, even beyond that. So it's a fun interview. Yeah. So let's go ahead. Uh, let's do that. So that'll be our second segment. We'll come back in the third segment, talk a little bit more about uh, the holidays, mm-hmm. about your family time, about your cats. Yes. About, I have a sleep apnea update if you're interested. Yes. And, very important. Um, so we will do that. So let's go ahead and take a break. Okay. So in order to do that, you need to say we'll be back. We'll be back. Uh, Will and Sammy. Yes. Yeah. So we went ahead and pulled the trigger in the Baltashevitz household. You did. And uh, we subscribed to BarkBox. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Right. Now that I'm making a little O'Day more money. Is there so you go. happy, I bet. Balling. We want to share the wealth with the f- with the rest of the family. Wait, did did you already get one yet? Um, we got our first one. What was your theme? T- two days ago. It was Poo York City. So the yes. first one you get is Poo York City. <laughs> Which is so cute. Now, I want to tell you about about the customer service. So not only every month you get a cool box full of treats and it's and themed full of toys and it's themed natural the first treats. one is Poo York City. Um and it's great. The dog loves it. Ode's the happiest dog in the world. But Ode has some Ode has developed as she's gotten older, she's developed some food allergies. So I was a little bit concerned about the treats and things like that because you right. said your box, the first uh the Poo York City box that you yeah. got and the subsequent boxes there have been treats and yep. stuff. Yep. Yeah. And so Ode we've determined is allergic to chicken. Mm-hmm. And so it just it makes her skin dry out and she gets all itchy and everything. It's not good. Poor old day. So we cook mm-hmm. for her every day. We cook rice and mixed vegetables and fish mm-hmm. because because you're good dog owners. <laughs> Why wouldn't we? <laughs> <laughs> but but um, when we ordered uh, a bark box, I got on the little chat uh, window with the person on the customer other service. side of the customer service mm-hmm. and said hey just got a question you know we've already ordered but our dog has some dietary things they and they managed it they put the note in her file right away yeah and uh, they send her um uh, treats specifically made for dogs with food issues i love that it, nice um, it's awesome one of the things with duck jerky i don't know if yeah. uh, your guys got the duck 
duck jerky. She loves the duck jerky. The other thing she got that gives me the heebie-jeebies just a little bit, but the dog loves it. Uh, it's dehydrated, <laughs> dehydrated lamb lung treats. Yeah. yeah, I gave those away. It freaks me out. Yeah. Yeah. But the dog, Ode loves them. Ode loves the, yeah. d- the dried out If I get them again, lung. I'll give them to you because I didn't report that. Yeah. But when I did get a toy they didn't like, I just contacted them and said, yeah. hey, my dog's not really feeling this toy. And they were like, okay, do us a favor. Give it to a shelter or yeah. a dog place that can still use it. And we'll give you a $10 credit towards anything on the site. Yeah. Which Cust- will get you easily another toy. Yeah. Hmm. Customer service is absolutely it's fantastic. Amazing, yeah. So your dog gets a great treat once a month. It's like Christmas every month for your dog. And then you help us support the podcast because That's- if you go to getbarkbox.com slash comedy zone, it helps support us. And you're already listening. You're already going to help your dog out. So it's just a win-win for everybody. Yeah. yeah. You love us. You love your dog. We love you. We would love your dog if we knew her. Or I would love your dog more than you. Probably. Safe bet. Yeah. But it, it, it's just... It's a really it's unique awesome program. Yeah. yeah um, and every month you can uh, sign up for the six-month or the 12-month uh, Or even a single month, just if you want to see. Yeah. Um, but it, the more months you do, the cheaper it is yeah. a month. So, so. Uh, getbarkbox.com slash Comedy Zone helps us, makes your dog happy. And you get a free wins. BarkBox if you sign up using our code. That's correct. You get one month free. Yes. Yeah. So getbarkbox.com slash Comedy Zone. Go there right now. We'll wait. Perf. Bow, wow, wow, yippee, yo, yippee, yeah. <laughs> All right, sitting here with Al Ernst. Uh, we just finished our second to last show. Wow, time goes by. Time flew, man. <laughs> time flew. Yeah, this is uh, welcome back to the clubs. Uh, <laughs> you know, the, it, it's such a difference because of the fact that I, I play so many different kinds of venues mm-hmm. through my career, and I've been now been away from the clubs a little bit more in 2017 and not because I couldn't but just because I wanted to check out theaters and doing some other things and uh, your 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 stuff stays the same but it's the way you present it a nightclub is so different than a theater which is so different from a cruise ship which is you know it just is different everywhere right now how now how long you've been performing oh my god I, I hate to admit it but I uh, <laughs> I'm I, you know, I first went on stage as a open micer in 1987. Nice. So this would be 30. This would be 30 years this year. Um, they opened a comedy club where I was doing my day job in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Yeah. It was a full, and this was during the middle of the comedy boom, where you know there were comedy clubs sprouting up everywhere, and it was. It's still today the greatest name for a comedy club ever. It was called the Grin Room. <laughs> yeah, and so to me, that's just a great comedy. I mean, you got to understand through the years uh, when all these comedy clubs were going, they they had the stupidest, you know, the Chuckle Hut and yeah. you know all this kind of crap. And but I always thought the Grin Room was the most imaginative name I could ever come up with. And I didn't name it, but we went there to see Gabe Kaplan from Welcome Back, Cotter. Wow, he was the like the grand opening of this club he came in and i was there with a bunch of people from work and at the end of the show all these all my work people were going out you you know this is you you do this blah 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 and then right at that the mc said hey we've got an open mic night on monday nights and and off of that i um no training my background is in theology believe it or not is in theology I yeah my degrees in religion really? yeah it's in religion and philosophy, 
and I was going uh, initially was going off to be a Lutheran minister uh, originally originally and it was uh, just a step away uh, just a step away from uh, I about five minutes. No. oh okay. yeah. Yeah. hey I was going, we're taping for the podcast so don't curse no, I'm kidding you can say it <laughs> Okay, we're back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we, had, we had to do something for tax purposes. Yeah. But anyway, um, as I was saying, the, the Grin Room is where I started, went up. Uh, the very first night I went up on stage, it was fabulous. I mean, because all my friends were there. Yeah. Six minutes and uh, no training, no nothing. And it, it rocked because all my friends were there. They patted me on the back. I, I, I had fully expected... This is how naive I was. I had fully expected that. Well, this is it. I'll be getting calls and ready you know, for Johnny. Yeah, ready for John at the time. <laughs> ready for Johnny Carson. That's right. And they just said, "No, come back next week." They didn't say anything else. So I came back the next week, and there was no. There were none of my friends in the audience, mm-hmm. and I sucked. I wow. ate it. I mean, and continued for being a glutton for failure, like I am. I would show up week in and week out and just die. Just die. What was it that kept you going there, dealing with that? Well, it's kind of, my, my, my life is kind of weird like that in the sense that I have to do something a, a certain number of times, and it depends on what it is, and fail miserably at it. And then there's like, at some point, I get good. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like... It's almost like walking in a doorway. And suddenly, I can be outside the door, and then suddenly the door opens. And I can tell you the night it happened for me, it was almost uh, six months into... I mean, I was, I was within a week of the owner of the club saying, Al, you're a really nice guy, but <laughs> you, we're not putting you on our stage anymore. And I happened to go up there, and for whatever reason, didn't, change the, didn't really change the material... But changed some. I think what happened was, is I got to the point where I didn't care mm. whether I succeeded or not. And I think the moment that you take the pressure off of yourself, uh-huh. it it happens right. Right. The Cali burrito. Oh yeah. Uh, that else? Yes. No. Oh, that must be Ike. You can uh, sit that over there if you could. Thank you. You guys did awesome. Thank, Thank you very much. I appreciate You're that. You're so funny. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. So, so that's how. So that, and and then, because I know that some people, you know, they go through that and they get discouraged. But you said you went through that, and you know, you're the kind of person where eventually it just breaks. It just breaks. breaks. And and the thing about it is, is it's not that I didn't have any fear about it. I mean, I can tell you, I there there were I would have dreams about failing. I mean, I as Monday crept closer. Every week, it, it, I mean, it would just build and build into me, and and the night, and and it was finally so many failures where I didn't care and I took all the pressure off was what made the difference. And all of a sudden, and and that's what I tell comics all the time is that sometimes it's not the material, it's not it's not what you're doing up there, it's how you feel about it. Yeah. And the minute you get to the I don't care kind of I I'm going to I know this is funny you have the confidence in yourself the audience has to get it is the time it changes or at least for me that's yeah. what it did and I did and suddenly and the manager uh, I can remember the owner of the club going you didn't do anything different and I said 
I said, yeah, except that I didn't give a crap. And he goes, well, keep not giving a keep crap. Keep doing that. Yeah, keep doing that. <laughs> and um, I, my, day, my day job was going really well. I got a promotion. I ended up in Atlanta. I was still doing comedy uh, on kind of on the side. I got into the Atlanta comedy scene and um, about two years in on that scene, which is at the time there were four full week-long clubs in Atlanta at the time. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's unheard of today. So, yeah, the, you can the, the, you tell the difference between then and now. So that was in early 1990, but four full-week clubs in the Atlanta metropolitan area. And I'm not talking about just the weekend. I'm talking about you started on Tuesday and you went through the next Sunday and you had shows every night. Wow. So it also gave you a, a, a great place to be able to get up every night and get and do time. And if you were really into it, I mean, I literally did. I would leave leave my job and I'd go straight to a club, one of those clubs, and I would get anywhere from five to 10 minutes a night. And I did that week in and week out. And I finally said, I don't want to be the age that I am now. I just turned 56 and wonder if I, you know, if I could have made it. Yeah. And, um, and so I went, resigned. No, I had no press kit. I had no nothing. I walked into my boss's office and said, I'm resigning. Whoa, really? Yeah. And he said, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to go be a comedian. And he laughed. And I said, that'll be $75. Because <laughs> I'm a professional now, you know. But seriously, I had no, I, you know. And I had a little bit of severance. So I had a little, just a little bit of time put in uh, that I could take the time and I and I'm always one of those guys that says you know if you wait till you're ready you're gonna be dead you never be ready you're never ready yeah. you're, you 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 never are and, and but so the only way you can do it is go in there and kind of learn how to fail and learn how to fail a little less each time so at the time there was plenty of one-nighter work and all that kind of stuff out there that you know the, that I could get I put my press kit together I I I went after the the I I decided instead of trying to go after a hundred little places to go first of all I tried with the big the big ones which could fill my calendar mm-hmm. and at the time the comedy zone at that point had believe it or not had 20 22 weeks of work yeah, you basically you, once you got into the comedy zone you were good system, go you were good to go. Almost half the year. Yeah, because as a feature act, you could usually work each one of them twice. Wow. So, the first year I left, I, I you know left my day job to play the uh, um, what was it, uh, Kingsport, Tennessee tour for the comedy zone on Labor Day weekend of 1990 was my last and and never looked back from that point and is the same way I ended up getting on the cruise ships um, it was that was a great great thing everybody at the time the cruise ships were kind of like where people went to die they always thought it was for the old people and everything like that and yeah. I kind of found out that hey um, there were other there was other comedy going on on cruise ships at the time so the Comedy Zone ended up hooking up with Carnival Cruise Lines and had a week-long club in Orlando where the headliner on the Sunday would drive over to Port Canaveral and get on the Carnival ship 
and would do their show, taking it to Nassau two days later, and then they'd fly them back from Nassau. Wow. So, now, 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 I mean, starting along, because that's a bold decision to say, I'm just going to do it. Did you have family support? Was that yeah, an issue? Yeah, a, well, no, no, my, you know, my, my wife kind of knew what I was getting myself into, and she knew me, and she knew that most of the things I did were just like that, and I guess she was used <laughs> to me failing. But, I mean, there was pressure. I mean, I still, I had bills to pay. I had a house to maintain. You know, um, we, we had to have a long talk about um, how we were going to exist with me being on the road so much. Wow. Uh, she had a career. She, she, you know, she had things to do. And, and I feel like, you know, it tests your relationships. It tests yourself. And, and you have to, you got to know where to draw the line. I figured if we got to a point where the, you know, something was going to be in danger, you'd know it. You, you know, yeah. but you had to give it a shot. Right. You know, I never got into it. I'll be honest with you. The the feature spot at the time was such a comfortable place. I mean, it's the perfect place to be. You don't you get to do an extended amount of time, but you come up after the opening act. The crowd is warmed up, and you. You can you can just enjoy it. And there's no pressure on you to right. sell None. tickets or worry about any of that kind of no. stuff. And so that was a beautiful thing. And there was nothing like having the audience come up to you at the end going, oh, you should have been the headliner. <laughs> That's my favorite. I, I mean, and now I, I hear them saying that to the other guy. And I laugh at that. Because you remember that. Because I totally remember that. Because the headliner... You know, yeah, we're we're expected to carry the show, but we're all, they're also on. Just take last night's show as a great example. They're forty five minutes into a late show. They've already had alcohol. They've already had food, and now people are are winding down. Yeah. They're not winding up. They're winding yeah. down, and now they it, it's expected that this headliner, it, because of the way the club scene is structured has to do 45 minutes because that's how we deal with checks and everything else you can't do less you can't you know no matter what the energy level of the room is and now you're expected to ride that train Mm. and if you're not if you're not the reason that they have come out that they've just come out to see comedy and you're just this unknown guy to them now these days on the internet of course they can punch you up on youtube or whatever but for the most part you're still the no name you're the untested guy well you got your work cut out for you and i understand that i now after being in the business this long i realized it and i and i you make those adjustments you know you that's what you got to do so that all of those things people don't get. I mean, at the beginning, you know, in the again back, back, you know, I sound like my dad back in the old days. <laughs> but in addition to the fact that you were in the feature spot, you were the traveler, and you were expected to take the headliner in your car. To, oh wow! To so get, you had that additional stuff. That's right. That you know, you if the headliner was flying in. You had to meet them at the airport. They rode in your car. So I was just expected. That was the, that was paying your dues. Wow. And I mean, some guys, you oh, you got along with great. They were terrific dudes to hang out with. And some people, I mean, I can remember 
being on a two-week tour with one dude that I just, I mean, I was ready to let him off on the side of the road. <laughs> you know, and in fact, sometimes when I was on a tour and, and these guys were coming from L.A. or somewhere else, if we were on a long tour, i tell them, i say, well, I'm going back home at the time I was living in Atlanta. I'd say, we've got an extra room. You know, if you want to come back with me, you know, you can stay with us. And, you know, those 98% of those guys were really cool. And if they had other things to do, they went and did their business. But then when the tour picked up, either the next Tuesday or Wednesday of the next week, I was expected to drive to wherever they were, pick them up and take them. Uh, but, I mean, I've, I had one or two instances where I didn't even make the offer. I said, well, what hotel do you want to stay at during the weekend? You know, because <laughs> you ain't coming to my house. Yeah. Now, now, early on, do you remember, like, any comedians that were particularly encouraging or particularly kind to you? Uh, sure. I mean, there were there were a lot of guys that, I, uh, in fact, uh, one of them just started. I wondered whatever happened to them. And uh, most of those guys went out to L.A. to... You know, at the time, no internet, no nothing. The deal was how you paid your dues is you road dogged it for two or three years, and then you picked up your bags and you either went to New York or LA. And for the most part, um, then at that point, that was the point where you found a full time agent, manager, all that kind of stuff. And then they would, it was so funny to me because the, these guys would live in a great place to go do work then they moved to LA but they're still doing the same work they're still coming back as the headliner to work the comedy zone Greensboro North Carolina they used to live in Charlotte you know and now they gotta fly back in and do all this stuff you know yeah yeah but that was the way it worked and there was also no pressure on the comedian to develop the crowd to find fans that was the job of the agent and the manager in the club, which is completely different. Than completely different, than right? Now. Yeah, as we, as, as you and I have had tons of discussions, and I'm sure your audience, the, the insider information is, you now have to show up with your audience. That's all there is to it. I am, I am, you know, I'm working this weekend because it's a slow weekend, and I'm, and they're old friends, and I know that I'm a dinosaur. I am not. I mean, I, I totally get it. And this was a last-minute thing, so there really is no chance for me to pick up and get a bunch of people to come out. So I'm a dying, I'm whatever shows up. And, you know, most of the people coming in are coming in off of either birthday passes or uh, uh, their company's having a party or something like that. And, I, you know, I'm cool with that. I'm cool being the unknown, just as long as I know the rules when we get into the game. Yeah. All right. Otherwise, and it's the same way on the ships. The ships, those people are trapped. <laughs> you know. Yeah. They don't have much. You know, if they, in fact, the cruise line would rather them be in the casino spending money. You know, they not necessarily wanting them to be in your show, but those people are trapped. So it's either we go to the casino, we go upstairs and eat, or we go to the comedy show. You know, whatever's on their little schedule. So, yeah, we get, you can get a false sense of ego because you get these packed, you know, you're doing a show on a Wednesday night uh, coming out of Belize on your way to uh, Honduras and you all these people, you know, get 300 people in the audience cause, and, and they're not, and, and you're out of your mind if you really believe they're there to see you. They're yeah. there to see because it's on the schedule. Right. We'll see the comedy show. 
Now those now those shows because I've been on cruises to some of the comedy shows, and I know for me, and maybe this is probably just part of my personality, but after I do a set and people come out and they're like, hey man, that was great, that was great, you know, and you're like, thank you, thank you, and they leave. If I go to say the gas station and I see them there, it's so awkward to me. Yeah. I'm like, I just, I'm just like, oh yeah, I, well, on a like, cruise ship. Yeah. You finish, people love it, and you see them another ten times the next day, right? Easily. You're in a fishbowl. <laughs> and 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 you're if you and this is where I say it's kinda like you have to not let people all the way in because they believe you're a celebrity. It's not an ego thing. But if you you know, if they you know, they can see you in the gym or they'll see you eating or doing whatever, but you you have to kind of take on that persona a little bit because it's not because you're being a jerk. It's because people want to believe that they're in with a celebrity. And I mean, I can tell you on several, you know, I become Michael Jordan on some of these ships, wow. you know. Yeah, wow. I mean, you know, you have people coming over asking for your autograph. You have people, you know, don't want to interrupt, but just want to tell you, oh, we're big fans and all, you know, and, and, oh, it feels great. And, and there are also times it can get pretty overbearing. But on the other hand, you have to understand that those people given a, a land-based situation are they really, would would they, the question you always have to ask is, would they take the time to shell out $20, drive to a theater or a club to see you? Right. How, and that's, that's a, that's a that's fan. That's something else. And that's totally something else. But I know tons of guys and girls who are comics who suddenly believe they're famous. And, uh, you know. Well, I'll tell you one thing I, I've learned, and just in the time that I've been doing it is... Um, being funny is just like a part of it's like it's some small part of it it's not like the people that you see on television aren't necessarily the funniest nope not at all it, it, like it's you a know, way of carrying yourself it's a lifestyle it's a, I mean branding and branding stuff yeah about. it's all that and you can't let them in you know it's just like uh, you know there's material that I do that I get up there and tell a story and I tell the story like it just happened, mm-hmm. you know, I, and it didn't, you know, it happened years ago, <laughs> right? you know, and I tell, you know, there's other jokes that I tell about kids and things like that. Well, if that were true, then the, the kid I talk about would have been five years old for the last 10 years, you know, <laughs> I mean, and, and it is, it is no different than them going to a movie. They suspend, suspend disbelief. disbelief. And they, you have to in, in bring them along for that ride. Now, that's the way I do it. Now, there's other comedians that do it completely different, or they they think they're somehow um, not they're they're not being truthful with their audiences if they're not, you know, talking about their, you know, the most recent divorce or their whatever's going on in their life. I I I have another approach to it because I believe. That our first job is to entertain. Yeah. yeah. You know, that's our first job. Now, yes, do I, would I like to think that I'm being innovative, clever, that I'm doing some kind of, I'm thinking in a way that other people aren't? Sure, I would love to believe that. But it has to be within the scope of the story that I'm telling. Right. I'm not that guy. And see, for me, I like when I, when I look at comedians, what I like is 
everything doesn't need to be factual, right? right? Like it doesn't. But I like the the perspective, to be honest, right? Like that's, you really feel this way about these yeah, things. That's exactly right. You yep. know what I mean? I don't care about the facts and what happened right. this date or whether right. that person it's, was real. It, or, that's right. That's right. It's it's you're you you. I think that's the way we should present it. You know, and if I if if I tell you about my aunt Irma. And she and she has one or two funny things, and I describe all the other. You don't know my aunt Irma, right? But if I can pull, if I can exaggerate one thing and pull another, then you get a then you get a feel right. for what you know. And, and and that doesn't make a difference to me. But don't tell me you you hate cats if you love cats, right? You know what I mean? Yeah, I just exactly. I just want the feeling to be right. honest. Exactly. Stuff. You got it. So yeah, yeah I you, know you I know. totally know what you're saying. Yeah. But I also, because of my background in pro wrestling, I... I was going to ask you about that yeah, next. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, you get taught in the ring to tell a story. That's, that's what you're taught. It isn't the moves that, you know, that are made in the ring. It's that you tell a story. You have a good guy, a bad guy. The good, the good guy gets in peril. Uh, he somehow recovers. And then tries to beat the bad guy, and, and went right. And winning and losing is irrelevant, right? You yeah, that's tell, tell you, you're, you're telling. That's called having a program. Like if you and I, if we decided to have a program, we're we're not going to have what they call the blow off, the finish. Mm-hmm. We're not going to have it in the first match. We're going to have it six months down the road as we build this thing up because we have to settle the score one one and so you get you get some time over me i get some time over you and then we can only settle it one way with a texas bull rope match you know and that and that's what puts the butts in the seats that's it you know the the people have to believe and the big problem that pro wrestling has now is it's become too insider that everybody knows everything that's going on. So the mystique is kind the of the mystique gone is it. gone. Same way with stand up comedy. Same way with with you know with even with our podcasting and social media. Everything's all access. That's right. I don't want listen, I I there there are things I really don't want to tell the general public about myself. Right. You know? And and also I think there are things that the public doesn't would would diminish from my story on stage, it would make right. me less funny if they have some, you know, oh, you know, if they if they thought I had, you know, if I if let's just say you know you do the thing about cancer, mm-hmm. and so we'll take that one as an example. Yeah. If I had cancer and I didn't put it into my act in a way that was funny, but somehow during the show I told people, oh, I've had cancer. Well, now they're sympathetic rather than. Staying with me on the store, right? They're not there anymore. They're, right? They're yeah, they're else having a different emotion. Yeah. So I, I, I believe the person on stage with that microphone has the control, and you can take those people for a ride. And, and it's just like you said. I have personal friends come up to me all the time and go. Well, that never really happened, and I go, yeah, because it's called comedy. <laughs> you, you know, I mean, you know, that's, I'm, you know, I'm not up there to, I'm not up there to, you know. It's, just, it's, it's, you know? it's so funny you said that because I did a show where my dad was there, and I did one of the jokes about how my wife got all this affection, but I lost my mother when I was young, so 
my family wasn't really like that. It was just me and my dad. It was a house full of guys. Right. And after the show, I'm doing shirts and everything else, and I look over, and my dad's got like 10 people around him telling him, you know, there was affection. Yeah, I know but, what he said, but yeah, you know, no, he's no, like no, doing no, like, he's trying to. He's blowing, <laughs> yeah, he's blowing your machine. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> it's you know, and that and, and that's why I say, you know, I everybody says, well, does your has your mom seen your act? And I go, no, no, I, I because she would go in there and mess it all up, and she'd go in there and do right, exactly, do what exactly your dad that because they don't get that. No, they don't understand it. That you you mentioned uh, pro wrestling. I wanted to get right. to this because. We run out of time. Right. But, uh, pro, how did you get into that? What okay. promotion were you with? Well, all right. Well, let me go back to the uh, to the time in uh, Louisiana. Mm. Uh, my job, you know, I'm not going to sound mysterious about what my career was. When I decided not to be a minister, I got involved with the YMCA. Mm -hmm. I became a director of a YMCA, ran the camps, the youth sports, did all that stuff. Some of the wrestlers, that was the old called Mid-South Territory. And the guys that people that listen had probably heard of, Dusty Rhodes, the Midnight Express, all those. Mm -hmm. They would come to our Y to work out. And uh, so... I mean, you know, that was, to me, growing up in the southern part of the U.S., I, you know, I was a little fanboy. You know, I'd come, you know, come walking in and one of these guys, and I'm like, oh, you remember the four horsemen, you know? And I'd just be like, so anyway, I got to know them, and they got to know me, and they saw the cool stuff, and they said, Al, we'll have a, we'll do a charity event, and we'll do it in, in the gym at the Y. And listen, I, I said, done except I want to be the ring announcer I want that's what I wanted to do again all these kids and their parents I had 1500 people in there that all knew me so I had no nerves whatsoever and I just you know did the whole thing about ladies and gentlemen now making his way to the I mean I you know over the top blew it out and the promoter of the wrestling came up to me and said man if you want a job you got it you know, you were one of the best ring announcers we've ever had. So I I became the little local promotions ring announcer. And I would do the Sparkles Roller Rinks because that's where they would set up these little independent wrestling promotions. At the roller rink. At the roller rink, right. They put, yeah, they'd, they'd set the ring up in the middle of the roller rink and they'd put chairs around it. Wow. And, you know, and so I, I'd pick up 25, 50 bucks, but that was great. It was a little side money. Didn't hurt my job, and the kids would lo- the Y kids would be there sometimes. They love it, and uh, and it was great. Well, we set up an angle or a storyline where one of the bad guys attacked me mm-hmm. as the ring announcer, and then oh, the wow. good guy would come in. So I had to learn how to what they call take, a, take bump. a bump. Right. Well, the guy was supposed to just clothesline me. Well, instead. He picked me up and basically threw me out of the ring. Oh, no. Well, I took the bump because it hurt, you know? Yeah. But the promoter came up and said, God, you sold that. Great. You sold that like you were. I said, yeah, because it really it hurt. hurt, you know? <laughs> and, he's, and he said, well, why don't you, know, why don't you get uh, some of the boys, as they call it, to, to work with you a little bit when they come over the line? So I got, there was one guy in particular became my good buddy, and he started training me on how to do it. So we had a night, one night, we did a local TV taping. One of the guys who normally gets beat up, called the jobber mm-hmm. in the business, couldn't come. Something happened, he didn't show up. And so the promoter came over and put a mask in my notebook, and he said, you're the Inferno, you're wrestling twice. 
you know? Yeah. So I'm just the jobber guy, and I mean, I'm, you know, at that point, I was a little scared. I put my gear on, went, you know, got introduced from Parts Unknown, the Inferno. Yeah. <laughs> they always used to do yeah, Parts Unknown, Parts right? Unknown, yeah. yeah. The Inferno. And I came out there and got the crap kicked out of me and sold it. And every, the two guys I worked with said, God, you, you, you did this like a... Like you've been doing it for years, you know. And so the promoter remembered that, and he said, "You know what? I think we're going to move you into jobbing some of these matches instead of just announcing." Wow. And so I got in that way. I I was a great jobber. I I, I and for whatever reason, you know, like I said, I'm being afraid to fail. I I can take a punch. I don't I don't you know I can get hit and I. I just get hit, you know, and uh, everybody loved that, and I sold for them tremendously. So I was one of the more requested jobbers, you know. Because people, and people don't understand how important that part of it is. It's 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 the world. The it's saying being a good worker is what we would call it. Yeah. So, anyways, I started doing that, and so by that time I was doing comedy part time. I was doing the wrestling part time, and I knew I wasn't going anywhere into wrestling. I was just, you know having fun. Hanging out, learning, and, and understanding it. It did give me good training. The, the couple of times I went on the road road with some of the wrestlers because comedians are, are just whiners. You know, <laughs> wrestler, wrestling, you, got, you didn't get a set amount of money you got paid. You got paid based on the door. Mm. And everybody got a percentage of that door. So it made us want to have paid people show up sure. that's how the payoffs were made and uh and and when you you know comedians complain if they got to share a condo with another comedian listen i can remember nights where there were four wrestlers and we would register at the motel six and sneak you know there's two <laughs> and sneak another three of them in and there'd be people on the floor and you'd pull the mattress i mean you know that was just that was how bad they wanted it Wow. And so it's a whole different mindset. So when I came into stand up and I went, Oh, you get your own room? That was like, Oh, wow. Wow, this is great. <laughs> yeah, this like is yeah. And we stayed, you know, and you stayed, you know, of course, you, I can tell you the comedy nights where we stayed at the motel, the hotel, motel, motel kind of thing, you know, where you were waiting for the guy with the axe to show up at the door any minute or, or the, the hookers were working it, you know. But for the most part, you stayed in at least decent hotels. And I, I thought this was a huge step up, you know. Wow. So, so I'm, I take it from a different perspective. So uh, now, now, because man, I, I could talk to you all <laughs> for a long time. But um, so what, you know, because you, you've had a, a career where you, you've been able to make a good living. You've had success at this. What advice would you give the comics coming up that listen to this? That three, three things. Number one is we're we are in the age of where content gets vacuumed away like it's like it's nothing because everything gets posted everything gets sent out and i guarantee you you're not you know to you're not writing enough you're not you've got to constantly be putting new things together i mean uh, i'll take you back to my one encounter with jerry seinfeld jerry seinfeld carried a a hand calendar with him that he called I won't break the chain and the chain was that he would put an X 
in the calendar every day that he wrote for at least 60 minutes a day. He, and he said, Al, I don't write, you know, gold magic stuff that I'm going to do on stage. But I just sat there and in the days that I had nothing to write, I would write a hundred times I have nothing to write. in a book and he showed me his calendar and he go my goal is to never break the chain and it's kind of like working out yeah and so so those that group uh morio joiner seinfeld those guys when they were first breaking in they got it you you had to write every day nobody nobody writes enough i don't do it yeah second thing is yeah you got to bring you got to bring your audience to you You've got to make an audience nowadays. You can't, don't expect that you're going to make any money in this business at all unless you are developing an audience that's not paying to see comedy, but it's paying to see you. Third thing I would tell them is at the beginning of your career, go up everywhere, anywhere, at any time in the most adverse situations, go up. Even if you're a massive failure, you've got to have that experience. I performed everywhere from strip clubs to the top of the fish tank at the Bass Pro Shop. Yep, to everywhere. So, so if, uh, if, if people uh, want to keep up with you, where can they find you on social media? They can find me at, uh, I, nobody ever can pronounce Ernst. So they always call, I call myself the E-Man. Uh-huh. So if you look up E-Man Nation, Al, at Twitter, uh, just my regular name, Al Ernst on Facebook. Uh, YouTube channel is the E-Man Nation. You know, if you put my name into Google, it comes up. So. Boy, there's some great shows coming to the Comedy Zone in Charlotte, North Carolina. Let's just talk about the month of January, shall we? Actually, let's flash back just a couple days to New Year's Eve. If you're listening to us the weekend the show comes out, Brent Morin uh, is here. You know him from the TV show Undateable on uh, NBC a year or two ago. But he's a very funny stand-up comic. You can see his uh, special on Netflix. And also check out uh, him live at the Comedy Zone with a special New Year's Eve show. Tickets available. We'll tell you how to get uh, tickets for those shows in just a few minutes. Flashing ahead to the month of January. Country Wayne will be in town the 2nd, 3rd, 4th, and 5th. Actually, that's not true at all. The 4th, 5th, 6th, and 7th of January. Don D.C. Curry in town the uh, 11th, 12th, 13th, and 14th. Both of those acts have uh, Sunday shows. Country Wayne and uh, Don D.C. Curry. Tim Wright will be here Wednesday the 17th. Uh, Eliza Schlesinger will be here for two nights, two nights only, Friday night, Saturday night, two shows, both nights, the 19th and 20th of January. Joey Coco Diaz will be here the 20, uh, so small, the 25th, 26th, and 27th of, uh, of January, but right before that on the 24th, Jay Moore, you know him from Saturday Night Live, you know him as a sports talk host, and uh, all kinds of good stuff. Jay Moore, one night, one night only, those tickets moving fast on the 24th of January for Jay more. Also, uh, Ryan Van Genderen has a special show uh, on Wednesday, the 31st of January as well. Sprinkle in some open mics and some other special events from crowd play events. And uh, January is looking pretty damn funny at the Comedy Zone in Charlotte, North Carolina. How to get tickets, you say? You can get tickets, of course, at the box office at 900 NC Music Factory Boulevard or Call 980-321-4702. That number again, 980-321-4702. Check out the website, cltcomedyzone.com, for all the dates, details, and showtimes, and to get tickets. Follow the Comedy Zone on social media at Comedy Zone CLT on uh, Twitter and Instagram and Snapchat. And find, uh, find the Comedy Zone at Comedy Zone CLT on Facebook 
as well. Great shows coming up. Keep supporting live local comedy. We'll see you at the club. Welcome back. Comedy Zone podcast. Um, fun interview. Al is great. That was cool. Yeah, Al is yeah. great. And even off uh, off mic, he uh, gave me a lot of great insight. I mean, the guy's been doing comedy for now for 20, 20 some years, almost 30 years. And uh, so he was he was great to just sit and talk to and soak up knowledge from. Um, I love sitting down with some of the veteran comics. Yeah. Uh, and just and just understanding the keys to longevity because you can you can flame out pretty quickly uh, doing this and I love the grinders the people that you know have been doing it and maybe not everyone knows them you know not everyone not every comedian's a household name but a lot of cats are making a great living and doing and and just doing phenomenal comedy that a lot of people haven't heard of and I like this podcast to to um you know to get those names and and people out there too absolutely yeah a lot of a lot of folks too some comics but a lot of people kind of you know poo poo the idea of the cruise ship comic and the yeah that those guys work hard man they work really hard they 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 work they work really hard and um it it, and it presents its own set of challenges uh you know it needs to be clean you got new folks in there that have not always heard of you um, and it's just show after show after show, and you got to deliver to keep on. You know, you got to kill what you eat. So yeah, and it's the same. Like a uh, friend of the podcast, Johnny Millwater, always mm-hmm. talks about. You know, two shows a night, five nights a week. Uh, one of them's got to be family friendly. Yeah, and then you've got a lot of the same people who are coming in every night. So you've got, um, you know, the same. Uh, the same couple might come for one show Monday night, one show Tuesday night. One show. <laughs> yes, you yes. gotta have like nine hours of material. Yeah, like they and they want to hear different stuff. Right, exactly, like yeah. it's almost like when I had my first Christmas and I came down the next day and I'm like, okay, what? Where? There's nothing here. And my parents are like, that's once a year, dude. And I'm like, first of all, what's a year? I'm like three. <laughs> so I was like pissed that there weren't toys every yeah. day. And that's kind of how it is with the crew. Like. People see you five different days and want to hear five different sets yeah. just for them. That's insane. Forget the other 300 people that yeah. didn't hear it. Right, right. So, yeah, man, I, I have so much That's respect nice. for the yeah. for the guys and gals that, that do that. So it was good to good to talk with Al. Yeah. Hey, uh, before we move on a little bit, I do want to mention uh, the passing of a, of a comedy icon. Yes. Uh, yesterday, Rosemary mm. uh, passed away, 94 years old. Um, a lot of times, you know, you hear about the older – uh, the older folks passing, and 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 you're not completely surprised because she was 94, but but um, you know, this kind of was a surprise because she was having um, a bit of a resurgence. There's a documentary about her career that's making the rounds right now, and it's getting a, a lot of um, publicity. She had just joined Twitter like three months ago. She was tweeting. Wow. At 94 years old, she was great on Twitter too. I, wow. I'm assuming somebody was tweeting for her, but. Uh, it, it, she she um, had been around since started performing like at the age of four and in vaudeville, and um, we know her as 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 uh, from the uh, the Dick Van Dyke show, mm-hmm. um, and she played one of the first, I believe, one of the first single female characters in in um, situation comedy television. Um, her character was fantastic. Her timing was perfect. Um, if you go back and watch um, 
um, some of those old um, Dick Van Dyke shows. My wife and I uh, binge watched the whole series about a year ago, um, and it holds up. I mean, mm. it, it, it it's it's just great. The writing is great. Um, so that j- j- just um, Rosemary's passing just kind of um, for some reason. Um, because um, we kind of, you know, reintroduced ourselves to her about a year ago and then this year uh, with the documentary and everything. Um, it just kind of, you know, I get she was 94. It's a great run. But uh, this one's still just kind of, I don't know, when I saw it on Twitter, it kind of resonated with me. Like, gosh, that she just... So, so so let me get this. So started performing vaudeville shows at four. Yeah. Passed at 94 and was still on Twitter being yeah. funny. Yeah. So that's 90 years. 90 years of her career. I mean, like, literally from, like, you know, vaudeville to silent films to, you know, um, the dawn of the talkie to the dawn of television through radio, through movie, through, I mean, j- just, I mean, what a career. Hi. <laughs> Hi. I'm getting stared down by your son there. But, um, I mean, what a career. I, I, it just, I'm unbelievable. And just to be as funny, she was Lucille Ball before Lucille Ball. You know, just a great run. If you get a chance, go back and watch um, some of those old uh, Dick Van Dyke shows. But yeah, you, yes, yes, you you gotta you gotta go back and check it out. And a ninety year, I mean that it's crazy. Is that the record? Has anybody been doing it more than ninety years? Well, I think George Burns did it an awful long time. Um, yeah, that's true. He died. He was just shy of a hundred, I think. Wow. So if he would have had to start at ten. Yeah, uh, Bob Hope did it a long time. I um, think I'm close to 90. Feels like <laughs> close to 90 days. <laughs> <laughs> I'm closer to 90 days than I have 90 years. Yeah, but uh, safe home, Rosemary. Just just a, a, a great. Um, um, and by all account, I mean you know one of the first people to to call attention to sexual harassment. Wow. In the, in the, on the set, really? And yeah. Just a, 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 um, an astounding career, and I really can't wait to see the documentary. It has oh, they're going to do a documentary it. about her. Um, there has been one. It's about six months old. It's been touring the festivals. Oh, really? And uh, it hasn't come to Charlotte yet, but um, it's getting great reviews. And she was very excited to have people talking about her again and um, and being relevant. Like I said, she joined Twitter three months ago. Yeah. And uh, just uh, and um, apparently um, it must have been um, fairly sudden uh, her passing because um, I mean there were no indications that she was sick or not feeling well or whatever. So I, I, other than she was ninety four, but you know, uh, but it, a bit of a a bit of a surprise yesterday because she was so <laughs> tweeting a half dozen times a day. What again? Probably had. You know, a staff Man, person so or something what? tweeting for her, but, but they were her ideas. Yeah, yeah. I wish I tweeted that much a day. You look at guys like like uh, um, Carl Carl Reiner mm-hmm. is on Twitter. Uh, um, these guys, I don't, I don't think Mel Brooks is, but um, these guys, you know, in their nineties, these kind of old Hollywood comedy guys <laughs> who are still getting stuff done, and and um, Carl, Carl, why can't I say Carl Reiner? Um, my dad's name is Carl. You'd think I'd be able to say Carl without too much trouble. <laughs> Carl Reiner, without too much trouble. <laughs> but uh, um, he's still writing books about you know being on the set on the on the Dick Van Dyke show and stuff like that. So a lot of these older guys are still getting it done. That's 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 just that's just great to hear, man. Yeah. I have so much respect for the veterans and the folks that laid the groundwork for yeah. what I do and yeah. what so many others do today, man. Yeah, that's phenomenal. So speaking of old people, how's your sleep apnea coming along? <laughs> Nice. Uh, I picked up the machine on Tuesday. Uh, yeah, Tuesday, the day after Christmas. 
So I've been on it now for three nights. And I have to say that uh, it's an adjustment sleeping with a thing strapped to your face. Yeah. Um, I don't have the mask. I just have a little, it's a thing that kind of goes around and it just sits under my nose. Okay. And, and, and just blows air into my face constantly. So that's what it, so that's what the machine does. It just blows air into your face. Yeah. It, it, um, prevents your airway from closing, which is really just what, you know, sleep apnea is. It, 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 your airway closes and it cuts off the airflow. So you don't stop breathing. The mechanics of breathing are still there. But um, generally, what I've learned is that um, a sleep apnea episode can last up to 10 seconds. Mm. So if I was stopping breathing 139 times an hour, that's two plus uh, episodes a minute Mm. in that hour. So my, you know, the blood oxygen level was going down to 80%, which it's supposed to be up around 98, 99%. and I was not getting quality sleep, is what was happening. So I've been on the, on the machine as of today for three nights. Okay, it is a night and day difference. Really? Like I feel better already. Um, I have more energy. My wife says I'm chatty, <laughs> which nobody's ever described. She me wants as you chatty. back off the machine. <laughs> She's, She's gonna, gonna break it. I don't know what happened. It. Uh, I dropped it. How's my day? <laughs> Get that, get, unplug that shit. Um, it, it, it's just I, I, it's just uh, it's ninety eight. Now last night I had a little bit of um, a rough night. Last night I adjusted the strap and I turned up the humidity. There's a little reservoir you put distilled water in it, mm-hmm. so it blows moistened air. Okay, blows moistened air into your face, so that um, you don't dry out. And uh, I, I adjusted the humidity and and may have turned the humidity up. A little bit too far because there was water in the mask, mm-hmm. and so that you know I had a little bit of a of a rough night last night. So you went scuba diving last night. Yeah, I waterboarded myself. Oh, basically. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, um, uh, last night I only wore it for about five hours, but uh, <laughs> but uh, I'm I'm I'll uh, the best night I've had so far. The second night, so Wednesday night. Um, and it, I mean, it keeps track of your how many events you have overnight. It keeps track of all kinds of stuff, and then it sends you a, a, a message on your phone every morning. Hey, here's how you slept, and it grades your sleep. It tells you if the mask leaked, if it, you know, yeah. Uh, I'm at like 0.8 episodes uh, per hour now, so I'm less than one episode per hour. Where was it? 139 episodes. That is per hour. good. Uh, and I just, I feel great. You know, I'll be interested to see how, you know, things go next week when I go back to work and I have to, you know, sit in a meeting at two o'clock in the afternoon um, where, you know, before I was nodding off during those meetings. Now, you know, we'll see what happens. But um, as of, the, as of day number three, I feel great. Man, that's, that's it's crazy. Yeah. That's great to hear, man. So if I, if I lose weight, because uh, I've heard that, that a lot of, you know how you sleep affects how you lose weight, and I've always had kind of trouble losing weight and and think if I if I can lose weight while I sleep, sign me up. Wow! So then, <laughs> yeah, I mean, who's not who's not where where can I get this? That's right. I'm gonna call it the lose weight while I sleep machine. Yeah, that's that, <laughs> man. A lot of a lot of America would would be clamoring for that. 
to lose weight while you sleep. So what? Um, so is there a point where okay, you can be off the machine if you lose a certain amount, or is it always you just this is life now? You it's, sleeping with this? I think yes and no. I think I have a sense that if I am able to lose some weight with it, um, you know that the sleep apnea will 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 at least. At, at least the episodes will drop a little bit, but I imagine this is this is probably my life now because I'm a bigger guy to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, I have, you know, they talk about if you have a bigger neck, you're susceptible to sleep apnea. If you have a large tongue, you're susceptible to sleep apnea. Apparently, I have both a large neck and a large tongue. Wow. Who knew? A double whammy. Yeah, I'm a triple threat. Fat guy, big neck, large stars. Yeah, you, uh, <laughs> you, you got dealt a strong hand, so brother. Great. So, um, you know, I imagine that this will that this is my life now. But uh, if I if I'm rested, you know, if I'm getting more than 14 minutes of quality sleep a night, I'm all on. I'm all in. Wow. So that's well, good, man. I, well, we should do a sleep apnea update. Uh, 132 times an hour, just just for posterity's sake. Uh, that means wait, wait, five, four, three, two, one. Okay, so my sleep apnea. <laughs> we should do that. Yeah, it, it, it's uh, you know so far so good. Um, I, I'm I'm excited about the first three days. Now you mentioned uh, earlier about some things you wanted to do for the new year. Are you a resolutions guy? Do you have New Year's resolutions? You into that? Not really. Um, but you know there are some things you know. Especially now that kind of my you know my work situation has changed, I'm in a different job. The, the my stress level has changed work wise, so there are some things I want to do kind of you know for myself. I want to continue to you know try to grow the podcast. There's a couple other you know uh, little like uh, um, side projects that I want to I want to get involved in. Um, you know some things that I I. You know, I should have the time and the bandwidth to handle now. Whereas, you know, before when I was working, you know, fifty-five or sixty hours a week in broadcast, it's a little bit different than. Well, now you now. now you're getting sleep, right? So, uh, so have, you okay, should. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, that might be the biggest yeah. thing to change from last year to this year. Is you're getting real yeah. sleep. I'm working with, um, you know, you and I want to do some stuff together. You know, some some uh, short films and things like that. May or may not, yeah. me and my wife be leaking a sex tape just. I'm not going to say anything. Still in negotiations, but stay tuned is all I'm going to say. Brian is signed on to film, so (laughs) just stay tuned is all I'm going to say. Speaking of uh, Johnny Millwater, he and I um, are working on uh, potentially resurrecting Crazy Late. Oh, okay. That's kind of fun, yeah. So, um, you know, there's some stuff uh, this year that I kind of want to do. Yeah. That it's time. You know, it's time to do some of the things that I keep telling people I'm going to do. Another little tidbit about the sex tape that may yep. happen, that Bre- Brian may be filming. Breaking news. Uh, yeah. We are hoping for this to be the one of the first sex tapes to actually capture conception. Wow. We want to have a baby from our sex tape. We're going to call it Birth of a Haitian. So we're very excited about this. My wife is Haitian. Birth of a Haitian. Did you, did you just write that, or is that something you've been sitting on for? I've been sitting on the camp for that for a while. Because <laughs> it's really good. We uh, are very excited. <laughs> Birth of a Haitian coming so to means, yeah. coming to the internet's very soon. I have a pager now, so that every time <laughs> your wife's temperature is at the right place, I have to come over. And yes, Brian has to hurry up with the camera <laughs> and set up. We got the, we'll have the lighting ready and everything else. And uh, I have a joke in my set about a sex tape. So those that have heard that. 
uh, you know, you'll be very familiar with what goes down yeah. uh, during the filming of Birth of a Haitian. <laughs> Happy to be the director of photography on that project. Uh, and we're proud to very have good. you aboard, man. We don't trust everybody with that <laughs> job. <laughs> no, I imagine you don't. That's true. Hey, you... you I saw you posted um, earlier today. You did uh, Joey Logano's Christmas party. I did. I was with Joey Logano. <laughs> fun. Yeah, um, I did a show for him. It was really cool. Uh, apparently, they got in touch uh, with with the Comedy Zone folks, and or I don't know if it was with the Comedy Zone folks. It may not have been. They don't listen anyway, so who cares? About yeah, that's them? fine. They don't. They, they they don't support this at all. Okay, let's just <laughs> let's just get that. <laughs> that's not entirely true. Half <laughs> is a deadbeat. <laughs> I don't know, but no, but um, I I had um I had a show and they had, they had looked through my material, found me online, and um they liked what they saw and they asked me to do the show, so I came and I performed. Very fun crowd, very nice people, and I have this joke and I won't I won't give it away here, but it, it, ultimately ultimately at a point in a lot of my shows. I ask an audience member if they uh, what's it like to have a penis in your face. Now, sometimes it's a man, <laughs> yeah. okay? Sometimes it's a woman. Depends on how I'm feeling that day, yeah. all right? But I do that, and a lot of times I will direct that because it's, it's the end of a joke, right? And everybody gets a big laugh. Oh, he did that. And I usually look for one of the stiffer people in the crowd. Whoever's mm-hmm. sitting there with their arms folded is probably going to get asked if they've had, what's it like to have a penis in your face? Because that's, that's so fun to me. Right, right. Well, I did it with this person, and then uh, I got off stage, and everybody said, oh, man, we loved it, da-da-da-da-da, and oh, man, the the cojones it takes to ask Joey Logano's mother oh my whether God. she ever had a oh penis in her face. Oh, my God. And I said, that was Joey Logano's <laughs> mama? They said, yeah, you didn't know that? That's what made it so great is that who would say that to her? Oh, my God. I, apparently I did. <laughs> I didn't know that that was his mama though. I, I <sighs> so yeah, it was. He was a very good sport about it. She wasn't too pleased. It's some, from what I could tell. I, they're going to talk about that forever. Yeah, that's a family thing now. That's for a family. You thing. have entrenched yourself. Yes, in their family. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I have given them a topic every year to talk about. Remember that time? And you should have just seen it because I said it. Oh and she goes, <laughs> you know, she did the whole thing. And I said, oh, this is great. I love that. And then I got off stage and they were like, oh, man, you're so brave. And I was like, I, it wasn't I intentionally brave. <laughs> I, I, that, 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 wow, my luck is something. So, yeah, I asked Joey Logano's Yikes. mama what it was like to have a penis in her face. <laughs> That's how my holiday went, part of my holiday. Now you, you when you do events like that. Mm-hmm. Now this isn't a corporate event; it's for Joey Logano and his team. Joey Logano, his team, his crew, and yeah. all that stuff. So, how many people are we talking about? <laughs> that couldn't have been more than seventy. Okay. Yeah. So, you like? Did they give you any? Any? I mean, they saw your material online, so they kind of know what you're about. Yeah. So you know, do they give the you? Penis any? in the face was not online, so they <laughs> right, they right. didn't know they bought that. Yeah. But. But did they, you know, do they give you any guidelines as far as what you can you know, and can't say? No f bombs. No. You know, they they didn't give me any guidelines. Um, I found out after the show that it was supposed to be cleaner. Oh really? 
but they were still happy. They weren't mad about it. They were just like, oh, you know, they they th- they they thought the penis in the face thing was so hilarious that they didn't really trip on it. But nobody came up to me and said, and when you doing a NASCAR pit crew holiday party, yeah, those guys, you're thinking it's balls to the wall. There's no reason to assume that it's PG. But you should always ask to any comedians coming up. You should always yeah. ask. I didn't. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> I didn't. I did not ask. (laughs) But you should. You should. You should. I don't have to. Don't, like, do as I say, not as I do. Okay? Uh, I did not ask. I should have (laughs) asked. Clearly, I should have asked. The only thing I asked was his mama, whether she had a penis (laughs) in her face. That's the only thing I asked. So you don't want to ask that. You want to ask, is the show G-rated or not? That's what you want to ask. I asked a different question. I would think, though, if you're them, Mm -hmm. I would think that, if it was a huge issue that somebody would come up to you, whoever hired you, whoever signed in the check would come up to you yeah. and say, Hey, Look, that just, was, you know, that, so, you know, I mean, before the show would just say, you just know, just so, so you know, know we'd right. like to keep it PG. None of that happened. Yeah. And then I walked into the room and some of the costumes people had on, you had men with their nipples out. Hell, Joey had his nipples out in uh, his well, costume. Well then all bets are off. And then, right. <laughs> and then one guy, one guy in the front row had a costume where he got three like dolls or something. And it looked like three, people giving him head well okay so i'm like okay so we about to be off the hook i'm reading the room apparently books can be deceiving (laughs) because i read the wrong anyway uh she you know what but his assistant came up afterwards and she was very pleased she said i loved it thank you it was so funny she was very complimentary so i think it all all went well so yeah Yeah. and you got paid so i got paid and that was i did another holiday party uh and that was one of the worst shows mm. I've ever done. Uh, 500 people. Wow. And when I got word on the gig, uh, they told me uh, it's 500 people and there are going to be kids there. Uh, well, first they said there's going to be 500 people. Do you want the gig? And I said, yeah, that sounds good. I can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love a big crowd holiday to be fun. Yeah. Then they go, oh, after I took it, they said, oh, by the way, there's going to be kids there. I'm sure there won't be a problem for you. And uh, that's a big problem. Yeah, that's a, that's okay. A big, because yeah. kids, one thing, if you're listening to this, a lot of the shows with kids suck if you don't know it, because the kids don't pay attention. Could care less about yeah. And they don't allow their parents to pay attention. Right. So I got to Did this you hear place. that William Jr. <laughs> when the time comes, hush. Right. Something. Right. He, he he's he cares not. He doesn't <laughs> care at all about that. But 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 uh. He uh so yeah so I'm going into it knowing this is going to be an SHIT show okay it's not going to be great but the money was right so I did it anyway really it's my wife's fault I'm going to throw my You'll wife one hundred percent I'm going to take yeah. a second to throw my wife under the bus because mm-hmm. I was going to ask if yeah my wife doubles as my business manager <laughs> for these things and my wife pimps me because I said babe listen the kids it, it ain't a good look trust me I've been doing comedy a while. It's not a good look to have kids in the audience. She goes, you don't know. Who knows? Let's just see what happens. The money's right. A.K.A. Get your ass back out there on the corner. Okay? She's my she's a pimp. So so I said, okay, just don't hit me. I'll go, I'll go back out to the corner. So I go, I do the show, and uh, it's everything I thought and worse. Kids, not only are kids there. 
they got other things set up, like somebody doing face painting. It's like a a, a fair, a county fair set up in a hotel ballroom. Ugh. There's a Santa Claus giving oh, so away booze gifts. And there's, 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 and I'm just another one of the things. Oh, so there's no captive audience. Yeah, it's not 500 people sitting there staring at you. No, 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 no. It's, it's 500, 500 people, people roaming around, roaming in the around all over the, the place. Oh, so I got out there, and matter of fact, they continued talking through my intro. Yeah, yeah, they're not. Uh, they talked the whole time. Not only were there children there, there's kids running in front of me. I'm on the dance floor performing. I'm not well, even you're not on a stage. No, I'm on the dance floor. Kids racing in front of me, running cars behind me, running through my legs, and I'm trying to tell jokes. That is okay. Now that is less on you. Yes. Yeah. And much more on the organizers of that event much because that is a terrible place for stand-up. Yeah, terrible place yeah. for stand-up, terrible setup. The people that my go-between, the person that hooked me up with the gig, knew it was terrible. But they said, Will can handle terrible. Well, yeah. I couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> I did not. No one could have. And I yeah, wasn't famous right. enough for them all to shut up. Yeah. If Dave Chappelle walks in, the well. parents tell the kids, shut the hell up, Dave Chappelle's here. And everybody's quiet. You know, if Jerry Seinfeld walks in, I've got a captive audience. Will Jacobs walks in, Santa continues to give his gifts out, and they continue to face okay. paint. So how how long did you do? I, <laughs> this is the funny <laughs> part. I was scheduled to do 30 minutes. Oh, God. All of a sudden, a white towel flies in at 19. They th- the, the trainer, like a boxing match, <laughs> threw the towel. They didn't ass- even give me the light. Somebody threw a towel. You were getting your ass kicked. They said, that's it. That's it. That's it. <laughs> they stopped the fight. Stop the fight. <laughs> Stop the fight. He's killing him. It's like it's like Rocky when uh when <laughs> it's like Rocky when who was his arch nemesis? Apollo Creed. Apollo Creed, yeah. When when uh when the Russian was whooping his ass and and they didn't throw the towel in and he got killed. Somebody threw the towel in and said, This guy's gonna die. If we don't, if we don't stop this, so somebody ran up next to the dance floor and threw a towel in front of me and said, "Get him out of here." He's now, had did you know, was that someone from the event or was that just somebody? That was the person that hooked me up with the event. I'm not putting their name on here because I'm because I'm trying to be nicer in the new year. <laughs> Will you tell me after the? Podcast? Yeah, I'll tell you right. after the podcast. So, but but what happened was, uh, <laughs> what happened was. Uh, in all seriousness, though, they gave me the light at 17 minutes. I was supposed to do 30. And they gave me the light, and they said, uh, all right, uh, flash the light. And I said, okay, everybody, that's my time. It's been great, y'all. Enjoy the rest of your holiday. And then I went, and I ate and drank myself into oblivion. Because <laughs> the drinks Perfect. and the food were free. Well, there you go, then. Yeah. Happy holidays. <laughs> so did you get any laughs? Uh, one or two people laughed, and then one kid came out after the show and said, I thought you were really great, and, you know, I want to do jokes one day, and he took a picture with me, and I was, like, inspirational for right, him. There you go. And yeah. that was that was touching, probably even more so because I had had a little to drink, so it touched me even more than it normally yeah. would have. But he, uh, he was a sweet kid, and it was, you know, I left it, and I said, but you got to have those stories. Yeah, yeah. Right, oh, you yeah, know yeah. comedian goes through the comedy career and doesn't have those kind yeah. of shows. So, you know, it all goes into memoirs and in the, yeah. in the whatever. I saw when I was, uh, how, what, what, I've been in high school? At the Detroit, the uh, uh, the uh, Detroit Montreux Jazz Festival. Mm. So it's huge, um, you know, downtown Detroit in uh, this place called the Hart Plaza. So there's this little sort of uh, um, amphitheater set up, but it's not like, you know, an elevated stage. There's like seating. 
um, which is all really just kind of like steps, and people you know sit on the steps, and then it just goes down into into an area where you could have a band or whatever. And uh, Larry Miller was there, and um, this was early; it would have been early in his career. And I had seen him on the on the Tonight Show and stuff, so I was kind of excited about seeing you know Larry Miller. Ninety nine point nine percent African American audience mm-hmm. <laughs> at the Montour Detroit Jazz Festival. Okay, outdoor event. And they trot Larry Miller out, and even then, I knew that this was not going to go well for <laughs> Larry. Set up for success. <laughs> not going to be a good Larry Miller show. And he, he, you know, I give him credit. He he did his twenty twenty five minutes, whatever it was. But you could just see he was working. I mean, he was working as hard as he possibly could. But yeah, this was not his crowd. Yeah, this, this was not. Well, Larry first Miller. of all, any a jazz festival. It was weird. It was weird. Uh, yeah, yeah, like I'm not a big fan of outdoor. Um, you know, outdoor thing, you know, yeah. where people are just doing their own thing. It just, I just feel like there's a, there's a setup for comedy that, you know, it's the enclosed. Yeah. Sound good, captive audience, only thing going on at the time. I agree. I love the idea of the oddball festival. Yeah. I don't think I would ever go and it's nothing, you know, against oddball, but, 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 you know, you talk about a venue that holds 10,000 people outdoors. Yeah. There's, you can't possibly hold the attention of 10,000 people in an outdoor venue. It has to be just like you're Kevin Hart and they're all there to see you. Yeah. Yeah. It's the only way that kind of yeah. works. Outside of that, uh, you know, you're going to have tough. Life. Yeah. But even then like um, you know, Chris Hardwick was talking about how weird it is to perform in a venue like that when there's that many people because there's just little little like pockets of people who react to everyone else is just kind of milling around and talking. And there's little pockets of of you know, a hundred or 150 people who react to what you're doing throughout the audience. And you have to kind of pick out where those, you know, where those pockets are to know who's paying attention to you and who you should be playing. It's just, it's yeah, possible. well that's, and, and mine was sort of a microcosm of that because I had like nine people that cared about what I was yeah, talking about. So yeah. I performed for the nine people. I'm yeah. making eye contact. Yeah. I'm giving them the show Yeah, and uh, everybody else could give a damn. So yeah. there were 500 people, about 590, 493 could care less. Yeah, yeah. And there were seven that were listening to what I was yeah. saying. But the money was right. But the money was right. Well, and the free food. And My pimp was happy. <laughs> well, as you know, as long as the pimp is happy. As long as the pimp is happy. Happy pimp, happy life. Happy pimp. That's <laughs> it. Hey, man. It's been, it's been around for ages. Happy pimp, happy life. All right. And on that note. Yeah. So uh, New Year's coming up. Plans? Uh, excited for New Year's. I will be performing uh, Greenville, South Carolina at the Comedy Zone there. I will be bringing in the New Year on the road. So if you're in the Greenville area, come out and see me. I'll be doing shows uh, tonight, two tomorrow, and then a uh, show on Sunday. It's Friday the 29th. Yes. Uh, Saturday the 30th, two shows each night at the Comedy Zone in Greenville, and then probably one or two shows. Uh, one or two on, on I'm on not Sunday. sure on Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. So that'll be fun. Uh, Brent Morin here at the Comedy Zone in Charlotte, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. So he is here for New Year's weekend. He'll be ringing in the new year. And then uh, we're on to 2018. On to 2018. Hopefully Sammy will be feeling a little better. Shake that thing off. And, Sh- yeah. Shake it off, Sammy. All right. So uh, that'll do it. Yep. We'll see you next week. Comedy Zone Podcast is a production of Comedy Zone Worldwide and is recorded in a bunker just off the Comedy Zone showroom at the Abbott Exchange Music Factory in Charlotte, North Carolina. The executive producers of the Comedy Zone Podcast are Brian Heffern and Brian Bumpashevitz. Talent Wrangler is Mike Hall. 
original music composed and performed by John McKeever.